you are not tuned in to my skin is my fan on blog talk and you are not tuned into another episode of intellectually petty radio brought to you by m3s3 clothing you already know man men make moves and suckers stand still this is your man jobs and today i have the distinct honor and privilege of welcoming most so to the platform detroit's finest how you doing king uh what up though what's up man i can't complain like i said it's so beautiful outside it's a beautiful day i'm doing great man what up though man i don't hear that too often man i live in cleveland now so <laughs> yo when i hear that i know where you're from for oh, the most part sure. you know it's been changing a little bit you know people been trying to steal our shit for late, lately yeah for but... sure they, people that say they're from detroit but they're really from like royal oak oh man and, and trust me especially when i see them out of town they're like oh i'm from detroit no you're not bro you're from livonia well, you know, it's the same thing. No, nigga, it's not. Stop. <laughs> anyway, man, how's you doing? How's, you, how's your family? Um, family's good. Everybody's everybody's doing good right now. Like I said, uh, we we finally transitioned into spring. You feel me? So, or at least hopefully, because you know, Michigan like this, a man, rip on you, man. All right, man. So where do we start, man? I guess being born in prison. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was born in prison. Um, my mother was um, incarcerated at the time of my birth, so I ended up being raised by my great grandparents. They took guardianship mm-hmm. over me, um, which I'm very much appreciative of. Um, from that, and now, like I said, you know, people talk about like school to prison pipeline, and I feel like I'm I'm the reverse. Right now, I'm in grad school. I started out being born in prison. Now I'm in grad school, about to get two masters or whatever. But um, even though my collegiate journey, I was homeless for like two years when I was in community college, um, ended up graduating with honors, being accepted to some some dope um, institutions, ended up going to Ferris and started my own nonprofit as well from the hood for the hood. You know, but that's a little snippet of, I guess, my story. OK, now let, let's backtrack a little bit. All right. So um, how long did your mom have to do? Um, she was released when I was probably around like four or five years old. And did you go back home with her at that time or did you stay with great grandparents? I stayed with my great grandparents the majority of my life. I've lived um in my whole life I've lived a couple of years with my my mom. Like um probably like a year my senior year of high school and then a little bit of time after that. You went to Cody too, right? Yep, Cody APL. Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Nah. <laughs> what, what 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 school did we beat that you went to? Oh come on, man! I went to Henry Ford, the greatest institution Detroit has ever produced. I'm <laughs> Henry Ford. I recognize this Henry Ford College. But... <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny, man. My cousin came to stay with us one year, um, and we lived near Cody at the time. So my mother decided she's going to put him in Cody. Soon they went up there and it was a fucking riot. Like literally. She's like, no, nah, we ain't doing that. So he, he ended up going to four with me. Hey, you know. Hey, so what, was, that was, you know, but but I'm still proudly a comet. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mad at that, man. Um, what were your great-grandparents like? Or are they like? Um, well, they, they both passed on, but they... Um, some amazing folk. Anything positive that I've done in my life, I attribute to them. Anything negative, you feel me? You could put that on me. But um, they really were instrumental, I guess, in really aligning me for my purpose. So my my granny, she taught me how to play the piano mm-hmm. when I was about four years old. I hated it till I found out women liked it, then I loved it. <laughs> you know, and the rest is history. And a few of my degrees are music related now to this day. Mm-hmm. And music plays a, a, a very big role um, within my life. My my papa, my great grandfather, he was a he he had retired from eating steel. So then he started. He was a jitney. For people that don't know what jitneys is, it was like the Uber of yesterday. Man. <laughs> and I remember going to helping him out, jitney in at uh, Farmer Jack, Kroger's, other places or whatever. And I feel like that really helped build up. Um, my entrepreneurial spirit. And then my mm-hmm. granny was also a florist too. So she ran her own florist thing. So all that 
really poured into me. And at times when I was at my lowest, especially like when I was homeless or whatever, it was just really clinging on those memories and those lessons that they taught me to help keep me going. How do you end up homeless? Um, so doing one of times and the last time that I lived with my mother, my mother told me that school was not for me. She said I was not good enough to go to college when I had enrolled in Henry Ford College. So eventually she actually gave me an ultimatum to go to drop out of Henry Ford College and work at a factory or to leave her home. So I chose education over a home. And, and what's your relationship now? I'm just curious. Uh, really, don't, we, we, we don't talk. You know, kind of keep our distance from one another. I'm sorry to hear that, bro. Do Do you want to um, fix it? Uh, I'm a, I'm kind of torn in the thing because it's uh, also like trying to protect my own peace that I've I've been able to establish after going through everything. You know, what I'm saying to mm-hmm. fix that peace again because there we um, there's been times where we've been at it and like it's been kind of a repetitive circle of eventually we may get cool, but then eventually something happens. So not, not really. I still connect. I kind of, I keep up, I keep tabs on it through my little brother. I have a four, a brother who's four years younger than me and he mm-hmm. does talk to um, our mother or whatever. So as long as she's good, like basically nobody's doing nothing. You feel me? Cause at the end of the day, I'll still protect my mother. If anybody did anything stupid or, or crazy to her or something like that, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, just at because again, I'm still her son, but as far as the relationship goes right now, uh, not an apology, not a I was wrong, not a I'm proud of you, nothing. Um, not really. Like, she's um, through my granddad, um, she's been trying to like connect and talk, but I really did not, wasn't, I feel you, I've been trying to hear it, you know, because it's like, you know, actions especially repetitive actions speak louder than any word, man, you know. I feel you on that. Just my two cents, man. You you can't fix yesterday, per se, but you can always fix yesterday's tomorrow, if that even makes sense. I know. Oh, you dropping jewels. I, I, I didn't get this old for nothing, bro. <laughs> you know, I didn't hate it family members, too, and... and I had an uncle in particular, man. I had to forgive him when it was too late. And I kind of regret that, you know, going to his funeral and knowing that, that I had opportunities to kind of make, make things right, mm-hmm. so to speak. Even if it, I, I wasn't right, I mean, I wasn't wrong. But that's not a, that's not a burden you want to hold on, especially with moms. Yeah. You know, so if you ever get the opportunity, you know, um, and the older she gets... The more wisdom she accrues, and her perspective will change. Almost, I, I, I guarantee it. Um, so you end up homeless. Like, what? What's the first? Are you like literally like in my car homeless, or are you just homeless uh, sleeping, that, sleeping with my people? Time, I didn't even have a car. I was sleeping on in the park, sleeping oh, at bus stops, sleeping in abandoned houses, fighting off raccoons, homeless, like. <laughs> Like surviving off of bread and water for months at a time, type homeless, and then but but again too, um, I was also working at Fairlane, so I would take little bird baths in Fairlane's bathroom mm-hmm. or whatever here and there working, and then I feel like that was stressful because eventually, like I would hide, I had like duffel bags and some clothes, and I would hide them at like a park or something to try and change, but eventually like those clothes gone, so I only had like my work outfits so like from my hygiene to everything was like apparent, like something going on. So it was kind of, it was, it was an experience, but it also tightened up my focus on, you feel me? Like I said, I chose education mm-hmm. um, over home. And so it really made me really buckle down in my studies. And that's why, like I said, my grades were staying on top of my class, things of that nature, you know? So you was in, you was in high school and homeless or this was oh, after high school? Community college, yep, after, after high school. Wow. At Henry Ford College in Dearborn. Anybody know? Um, at the tail end, <laughs> when, when it finally became kind of apparent, because uh-huh. it's, um, and that's something I learned too. You know, pride is is something else. My pride wouldn't allow me to tell people about my situation. You know what I'm saying? Um, especially you know, because a lot of times people you'll tell somebody about your situation. Sometimes they'll flip that against you or, or look yeah. at you a type of way. And I wasn't 
trying to have that. Like I said, I, I worked several odd jobs on, on um, raising money. And then, like, when people did find out, eventually I did get a car. So it went from having to sleep literally in snow to actually now I'm in a car. In my, uh, I had an 08 Impala, and some professors actually helped me in purchasing that. I saved them some money. And then when they found out about the situation, um, some professors uh, threw me some some cheese and, and helped out with that as well. And then eventually, like around time of graduation, I uh, got an apartment and then to some uh, members of my church family, my church, because I was still going to church, everything. You know, I was a musician as well. So I was playing the drums with the whoop, everything, not telling nobody. Are you know, you people looking at me, people, some people looking at me funny because I'm wearing the same suit every Sunday, not knowing that if they knew what, what going through. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But um, one family in particular, they had took me in when they when they did find out. And, and um, I became a, a member of their family. You know, the Mobleys, uh, they really looked up. Mm-hmm. Man, shout out to the Mobleys, man. That's a beautiful thing right there, man. But have you learned to trust a little bit more? I would say yes. But also with that trust, I'm still intentional of whom I give that trust to in terms of mm-hmm. not just anybody but again um i i feel like there are people that i've kind of created like a, a extended family tree of who i'm i could talk to about situations and and, and vice versa because i feel like that's important because again you know i'm still young so there's other things that i may go through and i may still and i can't continue can't always allow my pride to hinder me from um overcoming up my situations you know pride is a motherfucker Man, <laughs> make you do some silly shit, bro. Man, <laughs> I look back at it because, like I said, it's, so much could have been avoided <laughs> within the, that those three years of being homeless if I'd have just let some people know. Yeah, ain't like what was the first night like? I'm just curious. That the first really that first couple of weeks was really something because at first I was like, okay, maybe I could go to a shelter, but then trying to balance job and a mm-hmm. college. By the time I'm out of classes, the shelters, they already at capacity. And then too, like even looking at how they, they, they're kept, I'm like, yeah, I can't, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I would have gotten into a situation because I was more of a hothead then than I am now, you know, but really it was a lot of walking. So especially like on days if it rained or something or it was cold to try and make sure I stay warm. I, I walked from Dearborn to Detroit all the way back. Or if I had a bus card or some bus fare, I ride the buses until the last bus um, goes on its last stop. And then I walk and make my way back to Henry Ford College in time to get to class. That's crazy, man. So, okay, you graduate from Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. You get accepted to Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. But you opt to go to Ferris State. Yep. Why? Why? I'm just curious. Um, so I was able to utilize the fact that I was accepted to schools like Harvard and, and the University of Michigan and stuff to uh, as leverage and kind of negotiate. Um, I wanted to establish an articulation agreement between the music and recording arts program at Henry Ford College mm-hmm. and the program that I was going to at Ferris, which is the music and entertainment business program, which is really one of the only... Um, programs at the at the time accredited four year degrees within that field within the state of Michigan. So creating that pipeline for other people after me to be able to seamlessly get to fairs and get that degree mm-hmm. with, with more more of the credits accepted and more opportunity for for aid and things of that nature. I felt like that was very much more important than um, going off to a, a school as prestigious prestigious as Harvard. Plus, I started my nonprofit too, so it allowed me to really get my feet wet within the community of which I'm from, you know, rather than taking it to Massachusetts, really doing our stuff within Michigan, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you get that, when you get to Ferris State, you tell anybody about, about, about your past, any of it, or you just start fresh? Uh, people knew, so like it, it, um, it was on the news and everything. People knew, like, hold on, I seen you on such and such, and I, I, I kind of embraced it, and then I, I realized that I could utilize my story to help somebody else along the journey, so they won't have to go through some of the stuff I went through, you know. So I'm always open about sharing my experiences, 
to people so that they won't go through it or if they are going through it maybe they get the courage to not wait as long as i did to ask mm-hmm. for help you know okay when did you graduate from ferris i graduated um last spring last spring yeah congratulations thank you that had to be dope oh man it was it it, it was definitely dope and then like i said now i'm at grad school in michigan here in ann arbor um and after that the goal is law school so who was there to see you walk um well it was virtually but i was with um the mobleys of course so um the mobleys they they set up um we had a drive-through celebration Mm-hmm. Day of, of commencement, and then, then I went out and got lit. I'm not gonna lie, it was like a day party. It was like a rooftop party. I went there. I had my my graduation suit on, had my graduation cap, and then too, it was very lit because when people seen the graduation cap, I didn't have to touch my wallet. Probably once, like owners and so like, oh yeah, yeah. Go get get a couple rounds, get it. So I was lit. Hey, that's a beautiful thing that you earned it though, bro. Oh, for sure. You know, um, and so you say you you're studying for two masters now. Yep. One um, is MSW, so a master's of social work with a community mm-hmm. change pathway. And then the other is a master's of arts um, with a diversity and social justice and higher education concentration. What, what does that even mean? Um, so really working more so on a, a pushing to I'm you know, some people say we could fix the system. I believe the system was never broke to begin with it's working exactly facts made so i'm more of a tear that shit down and rebuild I'm so working in higher ed really you know working within dei and not some performative tokenism bullshit dei but actually promoting equity within higher ed um having classes like with critical race theory talking about race racism anti-blackness power and privilege in higher ed all those mm-hmm. things that need to be talked about you know so we could actually go forth to something new because we're going to continue being this cycle we keep talking about fixing this system and it's like i said it's, it's working perfectly fine for those of whom it was made for you know? so let me and and you you rock with black lives matter or you did i'm not sure is it still mm-hmm. ongoing or black lives matter you know some people when they hear that they they point to one specific organization whatever i i feel like those three words are bigger than any one organization mm-hmm. those words are something that society as a whole needs to know is is true and no longer not negotiable you know um black lives really should matter here in america and then also i look at it as an accountability piece of you know of transforming our air into action like let let's see what we can do to ensure that it does in fact matter to all people who are, are in society so that's something i'll never be as an activist i always have to rock with those three words of black lives matter no matter what one organization may be doing or anything. Cause like I said, it's bigger than any one person or one, one organization. What, what role do white folks play? See, so, so I, I often wrestle with uh, the word ally because I feel like so, sadly we use that word very loosely, but I feel like if, if we had a more form, form, firm definition of, of allyship and then first accountability, understanding the power and privilege that one holds of being a white person within America. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but then taking a step further. And now you must be willing to sacrifice said power and privilege to make change. Cause if not, um, it's, it's not going to be true change. It's not going to be equitable change. And I, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of an average white person. I'm not, I'm, I'm not willing to give up shit. <laughs> I'm I'm just not like like first off, I love acting like I don't have this shit. When I'm confronted with it, I feign ignorance because it's way more blissful. But when the truth actually bings me in the head, the practical practical situation is I'm benefiting and my kids gonna benefit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't know that that like 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 you say I I uh, struggle with the allies. You know, I don't know if the allies will ever, ever truly want to give up something that gives them an edge. And why would they? Like at some point, we just numerically going to have to wait it out until it's twice as many of us, you know, until we make it to South Africa numbers, basically. 
and they don't have a fucking choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're scared of. They saw how South Africa, you know, and South Africa made some mistakes, in my opinion. They they didn't punish anybody. Oh. And that's why they're having some of the problems they have now. Mm-hmm. Had they punished some of those people and held them accountable for their actions, I think they would have had a better, long-lasting transition. Like, it was sweet when it first happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you remember with oh, Nelson Mandela. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Mandela. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you, but when he got out, everything was sweet. It was celebrations across the planet. We was all kumbaya and it was wonderful. You know, um, and looking back, they should have picked Winnie. You know, um, is is there a leader now for for black folks? Well, that's Winnie, not 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 Nelson, but Winnie. That that's that's kind of. Ooh, that's kind of hard. I will say in terms of leaders, I feel like sadly we miss out on great leaders because oftentimes people are waiting for the next king, the next Malcolm X, the next Stokely Carmichael, not realizing mm-hmm. that the next leader is within themselves. You know, change, we are the change of which we seek. And it, it takes us having to stand and stand boldly, even if we stand in on our own to, to put forth what's good for our people. And then I feel like society, anytime you're talking about like like black economics or stuff specifically for the black community, they look at you as as something negative when all of society, that's what white white people been doing. They've just been doing the things to to continue to build upon their people. So why why should we not, you know, even looking at Marcus Garvey, where there are some things where he put potentially could have did different, but it, the, the baseline of his theory in terms of, of black economics was, was spot on and, and things of that nature. And then with white people, I feel like going back to you was talking about like them being scared of becoming a minority, you know, data is showing that they're quickly about to become the minority. And that's why I feel like we have all this skewed data where they lump in other ethnicities as white. Because nobody wants to put in other and have to describe what, what other is, but they lump them in as white and make it seem like they're still the majority when really they're not. Uh, or at least and the, the whole people of color thing, too. Oh, just man. really gears my grinds, man. Like, like stop equating other people's struggle. And I'm not diminishing the struggle of any other people at all, but to, to try other, to put us all people. in one bucket. Other people are some form of reparations when and have we black. didn't. That that that's the main di- di- difference, you know. And and black people, we fight for any and everybody, but again, we're still often at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to to equity. Man, and talk to me about equity. Explain that to me. The difference between equity and equality. Okay, well, you know, I'll explain like this. So there's two buzzwords that's going on, especially in higher ed I'm sh- and in the business world, you know, diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion. Honestly, those words are bullshit and just marketing ploys without equity. So I could explain it with a story. Mm-hmm. It's the owner of an apple tree. He like, you know what? I want to be a good member of my community. I want to bring forth some change. I'm going to allow anybody to pick apples from my tree so he lost three individuals one individual individual a they're very tall like above average in height mm-hmm. and they're very easily able to pick some of the um, regular fruit within the tree and then you have individual b who's kind of average or short and standard so they got to kind of stretch and jump just to pick some of the low hanging lowest quality fruit from the tree Right, and then you have individual C, and they're very short. Like, so no matter how much they stretch, no matter how much they jump, they can't even reach the lowest hanging fruit. So then the apple tree owner he gets upset. He's like, "Hold on, this is diversity. I, I done brought three people in, three different backgrounds, three different heights, whatever. What? Why is there still an issue? Person name inclusion. Like, hold on, let me let me go ahead and tackle this equation for you." So what inclusion does is inclusion gives all three individuals a stepping stool. So now individual A, who already was able to get some good fruit, is now able to pick the best fruit Mm. from the top of the tree. Individual B, they're finally able to get around the middle of the tree, but then you still have individual C, 
And even with the stepping stool, still have to stretch just to get the lowest quality, low hanging fruit from the tree. So there's still an issue. And now the, the apple tree owner is pissed. He's ready to give up. But just within his luck, a guy named Equity was watching the whole thing. And he's like, let me take a shot at it. So apple tree owner like, okay, but if this don't work, just, hey. So what equity is, equity does, he analyzes the situation. He, he sees that individual A really doesn't need a stepping stool, mm-hmm. honestly, you know, because he's still able to get some good quality fruit. Individual B, yeah, they do need a stepping stool, maybe two. But then looking at individual C, equity realizes that individual C needs a ladder. Mm-hmm. If we're going to make this thing right. So then after assessing it, he gives everybody exactly what they need to have that level playing field. Now they're all able to pick fruit from the top of the tree and get the highest quality. And that's really, I feel, a display of, of how equity is supposed to work. But again, people only lean on diversity and inclusion. And that's why there's still so many issues uh, of non-equity. And then too, you know, equality of saying like, oh, equality is like giving everybody, you know, that 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 that's, uh, stand. But equity is again doing that deeper analysis and understanding that, okay, well, these people for over four hundred years have dealt with oppression, have built the economic framework of which we are benefiting from today. These other people are being grabbed by the hand and pulled up. Man. And, and then still have the nerve to call themselves self-made. Um, and, that, and that in itself is some crap. But but that is really equity at hand. And, and that's why a lot of people, because equity still comes with accountability. Equity still comes with, you have to realize, if you are individual A, we're like, well, okay, I don't need it, but I want this stepping still because now I can get even more, even though I've already been, you know, so... So that's a that's a story in itself, you know. And not only that, like individual A been picking the best fruit for, for centuries, for centuries. So, so by the time equity comes along, the tree is already fucked up. Like we picking oh, from the worst shit. Yeah, even even though you're at the top, and then even if you get the best fruit, to be able to catch up in terms to be able to feed your your family versus they 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 sitting on apples. Man, and not only that, like A has already picked the best fruit and moved on and used that those seeds to grow nothing but the best fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a hell of a uh, example, too, man. I don't think I've heard it that way. I've seen kind of like cartoon oh, yeah. sketches of it, but I don't think anybody has, has ever uh, put it so eloquently. So shout out to you, man. Um so you're also a minister. Mm-hmm. Yep, the hell preacher. <laughs> so and that's that's what I'm saying, like understanding my purpose. That's why I know the purpose that I'm walking now was set for me. So the funny thing is, is that um a few a few months prior to me um becoming homeless or not, I acknowledged and accepted my calling within ministry. Mm-hmm. And then um the person at the time who was the leader of the church that I was going to, they felt that I did not look nor talk as a minister ought to, as if the Bible has some kind of dress code with, with actual description of, uh, if you don't talk like this, or if you have hair rather than a ball fade and, and all this, if you don't talk like this, you know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of wrestling with that. And eventually I, I honestly said, Fuck the calling. <laughs> Just being honest. Like, like I said, like, it was because, like, during the time where I was supposed to be quote unquote trained, like, I was now I am in the midst of my homelessness. You know, I'm walking from Dearborn to Detroit to meet with somebody that's supposed to be going over and stuff to, to get that text me. Like, oh, oh, I forgot. I'll meet with you next week. And this happened several times. And mind you, I'm, I only got bread and water in my stomach in terms of what's sustaining me. So I'm really sacrifices like that walk took some hours to get there. Now it's going to take some hours to get back to Henry Ford and things like that. So I felt like it was just a whole bunch of bull or whatever. 
but then like i said i, I matter of fact stopped going to church for, to the church the exact church for a minute and then like during those couple of weeks like i went through hell through those couple of weeks when i was gone from church and whatever and then eventually like it got to the point where it came to that time where people found out oh he's homeless and like I said the family took mm-hmm. me in with the whoop and everything came full circle and i feel like it was preparing me for a unorthodox form of ministry. Like I said, I believe ministry is the connection to the people more so than the pulpit. You feel me? A suit can't save a life, you know what I'm saying? But your your walk and your authenticity with the community can, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I acknowledged my calling was um, licensed back in 2017. So I'll be, uh, this will be my five year um, anniversary um, in the end of July. Five years within ministry. Congratulations, then, bro. Uh, thank you. And like I said, I, um, everything, the way everything worked out to the stuff that I do with my nonprofit and my connection with the people, like um, stuff that I've done that's been unorthodox with people, the same people that kind of was looking at me like, uh, he don't look like how a, a, a preacher ought to look, don't talk to me. Those same ones trying to um, add me on my social media or comment like, oh yeah, man, let's connect, do this, that, the third, but at first, you was like, he can't be a because he looked like this, that the third, or you know what I'm saying. But so I feel like that gave me a unique aspect of, of, of ministry, and, and then even closer, it gave me a closer dive into doing my own research because I'm I'm a type of person where like if you don't want to pour into me, mm-hmm. I find the resources to pour into myself. So there's libraries and things, and I really got connected with Black Liberation Theology. And I feel like that right there was the grounding point of where you, you can now connect this to how stuff were happening, like, you know, um, in black. So James H. Coon, who, who really did it, like he, he even foreshadowed talking about like the cross and the lynching tree mm-hmm. and, and how white America has oppressed. It. But again, having that hope of uh, being able to rise as community things of that nature. But but yeah, about to be five years, those five years have flown by, but. Have you linked up with other activists in the city as far as like organizations? Because there's two guys that come to mind. Um, Niggas Fu, who I'm, I'm cool with, he he um, founded the People's Action. You definitely got to link up. With okay, him. I, I, I want to link up with because uh, I, I I do I have kind of followed some of the stuff that you know sometimes it's best to just kind of look and see what people are about. But I, I really rock with what they're doing. All right, well inbox me and remind me. I'll uh, I'll reach out to him tomorrow. I'll call him tomorrow. And let him know. So I, I know him personally. Okay. Really good dude. Um, Yusef Bunchy Shakur. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, yeah. Yusef. I know you said, yeah, me and Yusef know each other well. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, I think he's going for his doctorate now. Yep. yep um, he, he just left Michigan because he, he got his master's in social work from Michigan as well. Yeah. Yeah. I interviewed him a few years ago and I just kind of like from the sidelines been watching everything he's been doing. Um, but I'm, you know, like, and like new era, man, like I was really, really I, new era was about to be the Panthers. Oh, most definitely. Of this generation. And, you know, I, I, I hate that. I don't know. I won't say they fell off per se, but they lost the steam. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of emblematic of the black power movement of today but they really captured everything they had lightning in a bottle there for a minute man um who do you who are you pattering your group after hmm that's um that's a a funny thing people always say i'm I'm a mix between the the martin and malcolm i feel like i got more malcolm in me because i'll still cut up on you you know a little bit more more so on that end but although although i'm I'm sorry to cut you off but although i think that's that's not giving martin enough credit oh no his, i was about his, to say his malcolmish oh yeah um before before his uh murder both of them were they were yeah connecting with they were two sides of the same coin yeah and they were getting closer. Uh-huh. And then, and that's the stuff people don't talk about because, you know, close the last years leading up to Martin's murder, you know, it was sadly a lot of people in society, black and white, didn't like Martin. They hated that nigga. They hated him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody kumbaya talking all this good stuff now and celebrating, but some of those same people 
they were dogging him. They when he when he was start talking about why are we going to war for these white and then talking about economics and black economics and you know those are speeches that people don't talk about that that Martin also spoke on. That's when people started. Oh no, because people got complacent. People like, oh, I got a job at a factory. This is good. I'm not gonna uh, don't yeah. mess with these white folk because then we already got good massive and goods and you know other words, but. But yeah, but with New Era though, I go back to New Era. I feel like that was an opportunity for like the gen- a generational gap, generational gaps to bridge together. Because I feel like generational gaps were connected with with this or so much, and uh, could be done. And then too, they they're still doing stuff. I feel like the media just doesn't really talk about show it um, too much. But again, I feel like that's the thing with any movement: the generational gaps is what kills movements and then to even people that I guess some people have I guess mental brain farts and think that uh, um, you can only lead a movement when, once you um, got old enough to get SSI or be a part of AARP or something as if young people have not been leading the movements since forever in a day. My, my, my frat brother Huey P. Newton was 24 years old when, when he was one of the co-founders of the Black Panther Party. Dr. King was only 26 Mm. when he when he started you know but 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 again i feel like that's where the disconnect within the community we have to come together and work together for the common goal too much diffusion is what what disseminates our movements yeah i think my generation and the generation especially the generation before me they got too used to being on top Mm -hmm. you gotta talk for somebody else they they did a horrible job of nurturing the next them mm-hmm. out of greed, you know, um, and, and, and my generation don't want to take accountability. They just want to shit on your generation without realizing we created your generation. Yeah. You know, so, um, and I think where new era went wrong, it's just my two cent, but the whole church thing, mm-hmm. they up until that point, my generation bought into it whether they they were there at whatever rally or marches or not we bought into it from the sidelines and was rooting them niggas on mm-hmm. and when they went to the church that's when that that gave my generation the opportunity to say see mm-hmm. this is what we've been talking about we was looking for that shit in the first place and we oh, shouldn't no, have been because honestly, if, if it was really an allyship between generations, it could have been easily somebody coming in and having a conversation like, look, I see where y'all going because I'm because again, not, there's nothing new under the sun, too. You can see where, where something about to go go left and be like, look, let yeah. me at least offer this and then offering it in a way that's not ego, but actually love of like, no, I, I love you as a brother. Yeah. And I see what you're doing and I want you to continue to build on this and this is why how i feel from my wisdom just off my experience how this may hinder your move you know and then from there we grow it's easy to forget being young bro oh yeah um and that's something i i I hope that you carry with you through the years is don't forget how you feel today oh you you say it but trust me man time wears a nigga down yeah you know, like there's some things like even with myself, there's some things that 20 years ago I'd have quit a job instantly for or I'd cuss the motherfucker out. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you know what? That shit ain't even worth it. When re- realistically, it should be worth it. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind myself sometime. So I quit on the ass just to just to you know, make, like- make sure I ain't losing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it like to receive death threats? Man, so honestly, I'm really just now kind of gauging it because in the heat of the moment of receiving them, I was like, F it. If it happened, it happened because I'm I'm always been at a viewpoint of if I'm if I'm dying for a good cause, if I put my life on the line for my brother and sister, you feel me? Did I did I really waste my life? And I would say no. Mm-hmm. If I if I if truly in my heart, I was doing something that's going to better or strengthen those that come behind me. But then again, you know, 
from just a, a mental health um, aspect of really like sitting down and thinking like, damn, like people was really like plotting on my life and had to really sit and process that. That's really been something huge. And then I feel like the biggest thing was like, you know, sometimes when I would see letters or something, I'll tell somebody like, yeah, you know, I just got this, like they talking about whoopie whoop. And then like, they'll laugh it off as if it's like, like, yeah, but it's not like as serious. And I'm like, so yeah, they chew. Yeah, and then too, and then I found myself in the beginning kind of fall into that. Like, yeah, it ain't, ain't nothing, but it is something. Somebody wanted to do harm upon my life, you know, and, and end it. So right now, especially in the school of social work, I'm having those conversations of, of really talking about like processing and actually seeing like how did that do on, on my mental and things of that nature. Like, and then too, in point, I guess. I got to a point because it was, uh, I remember it was one specific protest or whatever, like police came out, they had riot shields. And I was at that point where like, I didn't already received death threats. I was like, I don't give a fuck, kind of like I, like I seen, uh, they right came with the riot shields, was about to hit somebody. I, moved, I kicked the riot shield. At that point, I thought I was about to, but I was at peace with it. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it didn't happen. Like, I guess they didn't raise the, the crowd and we actually pushed them back into the, the police department after that. But but thinking of like what is like, you know, taking ego and stuff out of it too. And then like growing up and like, you know what I'm saying, it's eat or get a kind of mentality, like why would I be willing to to give up my at such a young age, you know, and really kind of you know what I'm saying? Cause it, then like understand like I have mentees, I have people that even at the time that I didn't know that that look up to me, that that look at me for so be it was almost selfish, I feel like, in a sense of me being willing to lay down my life mm-hmm. without thinking about those who I am connected to, either directly or indirectly, in a and sense. So that wrestle. I want to make sure I shout out, and I, I know I'm about to butcher his name, but I've been fucking with him on Facebook for some years now. Tamuk Scruggs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tamuk Scruggs. You know, he, uh, I met him because we both went to HFC. Yeah. Oh, shit. My bad. Um, but that's that's my guy, man. Really dope dude. Um, that's that's basically how how I end up asking you to come on the show. So shout out to him, man. I gotta give you your flowers, bro. Um, you already know, man. We talked about some shit over the years, man. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of his, and I appreciate everything he's doing to make sure that this shit doesn't just stop. Mm-hmm. You know, to keep it going. Um, in that vein, you said you had mentees. How do you ensure? You know, it's easy to say, you know, if something happened to me, is it keep going? But how do you ensure that, that 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 line, that lineage actually keeps moving forward? And see, that's where I really got very intentional with not not just, you know, some people could just call somebody a mentor, but no, like me actually being a mentor and, and mm-hmm. feeling actually pouring and having those conversations and really not trying, it's not even trying to, uh, create another version of me, but trying to help somebody pull out the potential that's with them in hopes that their potential rivals greater than mine. Mm-hmm. You know, especially our younger generation and thinking about like the talented Tim um, and pouring into and then to also um, something that I African proverb Ubuntu, which means mm-hmm. I am because we are and really mm-hmm. un- and understanding that that really made those relationships of mentor and mentee more uh more intentional and, and really saying like where I could think of like say if I if I were to pass away, is there somebody that's connected to me that I know for a fact would not only be able to take the torch but be able to move because sometimes and like you have people that say like oh this is the next person but they're not pouring into that person and they're setting mm-hmm. them up for failure. Yeah, that's something I I, w- I would never want to do is set somebody up to take the torch from me and I've never and I've even taught them how to navigate through that field of what they're going to go through because it's it's challenging you know if, if you really about activism really about doing stuff for, for black liberation like there's there's so many challenges and, and then to even challenges of, of, of people against you when you're trying to do stuff for them <laughs> you know so to prepare the mental state of somebody, the body might be strong, but if that mental state isn't also prepared, then you you leading somebody into a pack of wolves. Man, um, I'm, I'm gonna get one more question, man. I'm gonna let you go. I know you got shit to do, 
But what's your biggest disappointment in black folks? Right now is black folks that's willing to quote unquote sit on the fence when it pertains to issues that affect our community. I feel like right now there is no fence. It's either <laughs> you, you, you're for against it. It's, it's no longer okay to be like, well, if that doesn't bother me, doesn't affect my my house right here, then I'm, you know what I'm saying? That mentality is what stagnates growth um, in terms of the movement, you know? And then too, I feel I like- I think you kind of need people to sit on the fence. Somebody's got to watch. Somebody's got to watch the war. To strategize for the next one. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in the battlefield, you don't see the battlefield That's completely. True. You know, and there's a reason, like back in the day when they used to have wars, your generals would be there, but they might not actually participate in the fight. They may be on higher ground looking at the fight okay. to see, okay, these we need to move troops to the back. We need to do this X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, maybe we got our ass handed to us, but I saw a weakness. The next time I get some more troops, I can do X, Y, and Z and whoop their ass. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if sitting on the fence is necessarily a bad thing. Well, you, 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 you for sure gave me a different perspective. And that's why I love, that's why conversations like this from different, two different generations having these conversations. Cause like I said, I never looked at it like that, but that does make sense. But two, I feel like, um, another issue, if you will, I would say, Like, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to put this in a way where somebody gonna hear it and be like, oh no, he you feel me? I ain't trying to be in the play room or something like oh he ain't not, he just called us with coals or what <laughs> But in a sense, sometimes black we have to I feel like we have to be bold within our approach and stand for, for change, not willing to be that I don't know, like when issues like you got to, you should be willing to at least call it out for call stuff out for what it is. You know, some people will, yeah, you know, allow white people to do such, such, this, that thing, or like turn that, that mix of why I don't like the word ally. I feel like black people, we have some accountability in that of why that word is so loose right now, too. Because again, like you said, like black people, we are one of the few people within society that you will you you may stomp us out do this the third we get up get on and we'll shake your hand we'll we'll do this like you know sometimes we're too soft yeah within our uh, approach you know when people talking about people talking about people um rioting loot looting like like y'all lucky that's all people did if you if you think about what we went through as a people yeah. but, but we're but we're the savages oh okay I agree with you. And I know I said that that was the last question, but I got one more. I just looked down and realized. Um, so you led a national I initiative for President Biden, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on him now? Oh, I feel like as activists around the country, like this is time where we need to like, because he... He's really shitting in Black America's face right now. Like all these promises that he gave to us, all these things that are supposed to happen. Shit, student loans. I'm still waiting for a portion of my student loans to be be forgiven. But we just put out over thirteen what trillion dollars, billion dollars, whatever. It's it's the thirteen past whatever I can afford to uh, go towards Ukraine when Ukraine wasn't even letting Black folks out of Ukraine. Which, which is, you know what I'm saying? So right now, it, it's again one of those marketing employees and then people you know people try to say well we gotta at least got a black vice president but I, my issue with that is that i feel like that's a bigger responsibility because you're black now you should be pushing the envelope of our people of what's right for our people and that's one thing that i have issue with politics sadly is that oftentimes when we get in politics we we're not doing enough for our community we're due for any and every other community except the ours and, That's and that, because we're voting instead of purchasing. Mm -hmm. 
and and I said the lack of a, a, of accountability. And then the thing is, black folks, and it, it's been this thing like we we vote off a name, pop, like city local politics. We'll vote off. Of, oh, I heard that name, or I seen a whole bunch of billboards. I don't know what they're gonna do. They might have said, "Fuck you." whatever but i'm gonna vote for them because i seen all their commercials i heard their name this that the third and then too we have this complexity of white saviorism why why do why does black america need a white savior to fix the problems man when we could fix it within ourselves if we truly empower and equip ourselves to do so no white man should ever be mayor of detroit period you'll have me on this thing all night if we really talked about that man but. <laughs> i'm just saying that, that should never fucking happen bro um but man i appreciate the bill brother um if you ever need anything if i can be of any assistance please don't hesitate to reach out um i learned some shit man uh very very dope bro um and if don't nobody else tell you man i'm proud of you i appreciate that you know um Listen to your mom too, man. Give her a call one day and just say, hey, I just called to listen. On that note, man, um, anything, if anybody want to get in contact with you, how they go about doing that? Oh, yeah, for sure. They can find me on Instagram at mosoul1914, M-O-S-O-U-L, the number 1914. They can find me on Facebook at Byron Brooks or at mosoul, which is um, my moniker. And then they can find my nonprofit, From the Hood for the Hood, on Facebook. No and doubt, also, man. Act Blue. If you're looking for a charity to support, we on Act Blue. No doubt, man. Go out, y'all, y'all out there. You know, all twelve of y'all go support the brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I don't know why it usually goes live to to YouTube, and I don't know what what I did wrong this time. However, it's on Facebook, and I'll upload it to YouTube uh, tomorrow. Sure. Make sure y'all support this brother. You know, yeah. intellectual pet, petty radio. You know what I'm saying? Right. Shout out to y'all. Appreciate it. conversations that others are scared to have. You feel me? So I appreciate that. <laughs> that's why I don't get no. That's why, that's why I'm not famous, bro. It's all right. I'm not shitting on black folks. I'm gonna have to find somebody to shit on, man, because I need to make some money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man. Um, on that note, man, we out. Y'all have a good one, man. Definitely. Hey, don't forget to hit me up, man, so I can put you in contact with niggas, boo, too. All right. All right. Uh, no doubt. Peace out. Peace. One.